whilst I was researching for the information I needed to support my offer of selling my brand, I Love Hats, I discovered priceless information that could save my life. You see, it's been a hard week for a lot of us. And of course, everyone knows what happens in the public eye. But what is happening in the private eye is real. It's tangible. But perhaps it's unseen. It all gets too much sometimes and if you don't have the tools to deal with it, they don't get fixed. All I was had was love for my mother, for the mother that I saw and respected and thought there's no way she would be happy in a home. I thought, what would I be thinking at night wondering about her in a foreign home, people she didn't know taking care of her. And plus, I felt I owed it to her after being away myself in a foreign country for 30 years. So I took on the job that was easy at first to take care of my mother who had a selective memory problem as she called it. But the truth is that she was at stage four dementia and that was comparably easy. She knew who I was every day. She definitely knew who she was. Her arthritis was manageable. I changed her diet. She lost weight, less salt. I got special creams to rub on her knees that were made by a very clever man in Germany that actually can repair the parts of her knee that need to be repaired because she didn't want to have a knee operation. Rubbing two different creams on day and night. Basically, so much uh, progress was made with her agility that she wandered away one day, that fateful day in January, right after New Year, that first day that I thought I need to start doing stuff again. New Year's is over. The weekend after New Year's was over. And I didn't notice she wandered off. 
Well, I didn't even think she would wander off because she never goes anywhere. She always complains. Her knee hurts. She can't do this. She can't do that. But she was on a mission. And she wandered and fell into a shallow pool, which broke her fall. And wow, no bones broken. But rehabilitation, trauma to the knee. I think pushed her into stage five and what is now stage six. It's a certain kind of self-confidence you have when you can use the VC yourself or get up and put your shoes on or walk to the kitchen. But that's all gone now. That's all gone. And it's me who helps her to the VC. It's me who brings her anything she wants at any time. It's me now who reminds her of her name and hers of my her of my name. So here I am at the crossroads and. I thought, stop fighting it, stop fighting it. This is your job now. Forget those silly dreams of selling books and about clouds or rekindling your hat business online or in your flat in London overlooking the city and a view to Big Ben. Forget that now because it's only you who can take care of her. In the city that difficult to find women because of the religion who can take care of your mother. Oh, sorry did I mention we don't really have the money to pay for it anyway. I had dreams, but I'll put my hand up and say I didn't follow through with all of them. Sometimes I felt so tired just answering the same question all day. And I did a lot. I I finished two books, and they were good, and people liked them. It was naive to think that would financially save the budget that needed frequent flights to London from Egypt. And so here I am on a windy day in Egypt. It's the night because the sun saves me during the day feelings of despair and my mother is asleep and so my name is not being called every 15 minutes for nothing because when I go and answer she doesn't remember why she called me actually she'd be happier if I was just sitting next to her doing nothing but I still have a dream.
to realize why I was put here and, and as I struggled to put together a story of how I just wanted to make this one hat, this Benji hat because I felt it was a gift because I just blown away by that gift of a of a design that really favors one of my favorite hats that I spent years <laughs> perfecting and a very clever boy who was a child of the street who overcame uh, destitute situations from a very young age that he made this beautiful version of a concept of a hat after he spent some time with me and five other students that kept me going and so I started researching and I found that there was a thread in this story and if anything happened this week it was this discovery now in 20 14, I and my previous partner organized a workshop at the Brighton Film Festival. It was named Life is a Hat Party. I conducted hat making workshops during the day over a period of a week. And at the end of the week, we had a hat party, which was organized, staged, and Performed. The music was performed by my friend. And because we both knew really the real meaning of life being a hat party, he, uh, a graduate of filmmaking, and I, having made a short film, or we were both photographers, so we knew about taking on different roles. Did I mention he was a construction worker as well? And an amazing singer with a fantastic voice that should be world known. But we did this project where nobody came. Well, a handful of people, mostly friends of his, came to support the music and the party in Brighton. Well, he must have sparked uh, the interest in hat making when he retold this story to a woman by the name of Anne who lives in Sweden and 
is the executive of a charity called Friends of Shangalia. Shangalia is a now an orphanage and school in Nairobi, Kenya. And Anne decided, I want the kids to learn how to make hats. What can you do to put together and do as part of a workshop to a group of children in Kenya? So we went away and thought, what should we do? We knew Anne was serious about them making hats. I was a bit unsure if I could actually teach children who had overcome um, such a difficult beginning in life and who are excelling, you know, something quite, I find, as a luxurious or frivolous hat making, of the hat making that I do anyway. It doesn't, it's not protective hat gear. What could I teach them? Nonetheless, we did come up with something sparked by the fact that live streaming was taking off and I was a part of that. I was fascinated with Periscope, the app. And I started watching a lot of YouTubes and because we were both filmmakers and photographers, my partner and I, we decided we would put something together so that the children could tell their own stories and we'd set up a YouTube page where children from all over the world and anyone could be witness to the stories that these street children had to tell. And everything came together like it was meant to be. We got donations of iPhones. We got Nokia phones to support our trip. We even were invited to be guests at a Maasai village and go on safari before we actually started working with the children. What an opportunity. And it happened before I actually had full-time care of my mother. And even that worked out. My son and my friend came from Berlin to take care of my mother. A friend of mine slept over to take one night in my flat in London to take care of my mother while I went off with my friend in November of 2016 and 2015 and we conducted the Life is a Hat Party workshop. Now I didn't know anything about the real story about Shangri-La. I just remembered the film that Anne from Sweden showed us were bright-eyed kids who were saying, when asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Quite a few of them said, bank manager, and alarm bells went off. 
which was a good thing for me because it gave me uh, more incentive to teach them what it means to perhaps have an opportunity to be an entrepreneur. Because when they grow up, there might not be a need for bank managers. AI might have that taken care of, and if not, a robot. A robot. Yeah, so... We arrived. The kids took to everything like water. Like I said, even an amazing hat came about it. And I learned from my assistant whilst I was there, my assistant Joy, about the actual founder, another Anne, Anne Wanjuru. But it wasn't until the last few days that I dug deeper and deeper into her story. And I found out that this woman was a theater actress. And she was asked by chance, believe it or not, by another person by the name of Anne with an E, may I add, if she would be the leading role in a film about street children. And so the first Anne, who just had finished a film, coincidentally about Two sisters, one who stayed at home in the countryside and lived as a Maasai girl, and the other who lived in the big city and everything it had to offer, good and bad. And that film traveled the world from Korea to Switzerland and she was able to raise the budget needed to do a second film about street children which may I add was a suggestion from one of her children her own children but Anne Wanjuru she didn't have children of her own but what she did notice when she was acting in the film with the street children who were also in the film as actors, actual street children, is that these children were natural born actors. I mean, she even said quite sadly they didn't know when to stop acting. I understand that because I started making hats. No, I didn't start making hats. I started selling my hats in the markets of London. And you have to catch the imagination or just the attention of passers-by that they might take a second look. And so this is what the street children were doing. They caught the attention of people who might spare some change or food. 
or just an acknowledgement of them. So Anne, after the film was done, she set up a theater group, a group more was called like a refuge where the kids could come once a week and get cleaned up. She bathed the kids, gave them clothes, made it possible for some of them to start to go to school. And from what I know, the Anne who was the filmmaker, they officially uh, started a orphanage called Rejoice Child of Africa. It was the name of the film that they had just finished. In any event, eventually, someone um, contributed to the space and an concept was to build a stage in the middle of the living space so that the children could perform on stage and tell their stories or stories and people would be able to give them attention for the right reasons for the reasons that they should have attention for to get self-esteem for being who they were. The more I looked at this story more closely, I realized that it had a connection to one of the stories that changed my life over 25 years ago. And this story was how I found out that I had named a hat that I designed and created and have a patent for, that I had named this hat or had given this hat the same name that a character by the name of Tabaran had given his object of desire or the woman that he wanted to impress the woman that he wanted her to that he wanted to grab the attention of her name was Isabel and the story of Tabaran and Isabel is one of the most favorite of the stories of this street performer whose name is Jean Solomon who lived in Paris in the 1500s. 
in Tabaron, he had a hat that he would change into different shapes so that he could play different parts and impress Isabel with it to catch her attention. Now, I know this because there's a word called chapography, and this word came from this very theatrical hat performance. That's not why I call myself Chapeau Claudette. No, I call myself Chapeau Claudette because I almost moved to Amsterdam. There was a shop called Chapeau. And the owner and I kind of fell into like right away. And she was tired of running the shop by herself. And I was kind of tired of running my shop by myself. And I was in love with Amsterdam. And I said, okay, you know, she invited me into her shop. And I said, okay, I'll come. And, and there's other reasons why I was called Chapeau Claudette, because the French couldn't pronounce my last name. But, yeah, it was Chapeau Claudette. But that was, ooh, back in the early 90s, 92. That was... Ooh, 18, 8, yeah, a while ago. So nonetheless, when I made that connection to theater from street children to Anne Wanjuru being a very talented street performer, so much so that she was given a scholarship to the theater school in Nairobi because they were so impressed with her. But she gave that all up to be a mother to the street children. It's said that she gave it up because she had prayed to one of her angels that if she got this role she would give back to charity and that's a promise that she kept so as I was looking at Anne's story and both of the Anne the Anne the filmmaker I hadn't the first connection of the dots it was Anne and I and that's when her enthusiasm for wanting to give the money that her organization had collected her charity had collected in Sweden she wanted that money to go to something extra to give the children something extra and out of that came the life is the hat party project where children would tell their stories and they would learn 
how to have the mindset through hat making to wear different hats. Maybe I thought at first because I forgot to mention that this mother and this woman that the children fell in love with and they with her. After setting up the charity in 1994 and 2002, Anne suffered from chest pains and two hours later she passed away, which was a horrible tragedy for the school and for the children, 45 at the time. I thought maybe Anne is still trying to make sure telling their stories in theater is a part, should be a part of her school. Of course that must be the case because the school, although it is flourishing and the children travel and perform, they don't do any acting or theater. They do dancing. They have an amazing band. They sing beautifully and have recorded CDs. And they do acrobatics. But they don't act anymore. And the way Anne saw it is that acting would help heal them from the trauma of being street children. And that was her mission. And so it made sense to me that somehow she was making sure that theater and acting and this healing would come back to Shangri-La. Well, maybe now through telling stories with your iPhone, nonetheless, it was an Anne in Sweden who would make that happen. And I thought, well, where am I fitting in this? I know I want to make this hat. And I know my concept was, if I can sell this hat, first, if I just make this hat and take care of my mother at the same time, I don't really have to worry about designing anything new because we as designers sometimes think, oh, can I make something new? But I would just have to make this hat in different variations and take care of my mother and repeat myself and make this hat and sell it and split the profit of the hat to the Shangri-La school. And also, I wanted to have a portion of the profits go to another part of the world so that it would take away the stigma I felt that people had towards charities that are helping third world countries, especially Africa, or children in Africa, you know, the stigma of the of the child you see with the big belly who doesn't have enough food and who's your help. But I I was in love 
and I still am in love and it is my dream I am in love with the idea that a hat that Benji designed that student at Shangalia would change and help the life of a child perhaps homeless in the middle of Paris or New York or London or Russia anywhere in the world that would be giving back that's Benji gives back when I was telling this story to my son less than 48 hours ago it was the first time that I realized that wait a second maybe there's somebody else who has a hand in this as well and that's when I I had a mind blown my mind blown you see Jean Solomon Tabaran was a street performer and in the works and in the literature that I was able to find it often said that he was he inspired Volaire and that a lot of his plays and his performances were used in the theaters of France. But he performed them first in the street. And because he performed them in the street, they weren't not of the class. And so someone like Volaire, who was of upper class, was able to um, or Molaire and Voltaire, is it? Molaire. They were able to take these concepts that Tauron had and put them into the theater. But actually, Tauron is known in France as to have like a street booth because this is the stigma that Tauron had to be a street performer. It's also the stigma that I had starting at the market in London and I thought well this doesn't fit with my story about Anne's because I was going to call this the story of three Anne's the Anne in Sweden the Anne the filmmaker and the Anne Wenjuru the co-founder of Shangri-La And I thought, well, let me look at Tabaran's name. Tabaran's real name is Jean Salomon. J-E-A-N. I said, well, the A-N is there already. And I just took the J and the E, and I reversed it and put it on the back of the A and E, and I got the name Anya. And I looked up Anya. Well, you Google it now. And what did I find? Anya is a form of Anne. Actually, Jean 
is Johannes, Johan, originally, Hebrew name, and Hannah is the original name for Anne. And I thought, oh, that's a little bit too many coincidences for me for a day. Really, I took a seat back. Now we had four Anns conspiring to bring theater back to Shangri-La. And today when I was bookmarking all the research that I received, I was happy to see and this will allow me to bring you to Shangalia's today's situation in about 2000, oh, I don't know, 2009 perhaps. But basically in 2005, there was also an American, there was an American a man called J.D. Steele who worked with Shangalia. I don't know the whole story there, but I know he produced a CD where the children sang beautifully. And he was inspired and he helped them when they first received a new space to build a school. So they are no longer at that place where Anne, the co-founder, found. They actually have a beautiful new building since a few years, just not long ago, three years. A beautiful building built in a circle with a centerpiece open from the top and there is the audience and there's a stage still they don't do any acting but it is a beautiful building new beds new everything beautiful school and a skateboarding park and it's next to a slum where they also allow children from there to attend as day students. And all this is possible by Shangri Emoto, the German fundraising, absolutely non-profit, no cost charity that has organized and organized for money to be given to the school and the executive of that school, who is Kenyan. And it is thriving. From 45 children at the time, when Anne started with an idea, to now 240 students. 240 lives saved. 240 children saved. 240 futures saved. So like I said, I'm ready to give up my I love hats.com.
my hat business in London. And just work under the life is a hat party.com brand. And if I can make hats to give back for the next 20 years to support Shangalia and maybe 240 children from around the world. I would feel priceless. I would know that I was a part of something so much bigger than me, but that I was a part of it and I was invited to be a part of it. Thank you for listening. This is Chapeau Claudette. The life is a hat party.